Well, welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. It is the 16th of September. I wasn't going to do a show today, but um, we had to because there is so much going on. We're now enjoying the hit with the crown. Stuff that we talked about in 2018 and 2019 are like here. There's just so much. I just, I don't know, that inner troll of me was like, I can't not talk about this. That would be nuts. That would be against everything. Even though I'm exhausted, I had to. But I thought I'd start with something a little bit more simpler, a little bit more in focus, a little bit more, I don't know, important. And that is, I'm going to put on my favorite Father Spirit Zone and what he had to say. Because I see so many people talking about um, trials and tribulations and, and, you know, the mark of the beast. We all know what it is. We don't have to say it. The only thing that's changing anything he made in his image. Um, but he's talking about what we're not paying attention to. And I think it's important we listen. Take a listen both the Holy Scriptures and in the writings of the Church Fathers, we read that in the end times there will be a universal apostasy. There will be a deception that fills the earth, a deception that is so subtle that even the elect may be deceived. Because while the world or many in it are looking for the coming of Christ, in reality we must first watch for the coming of Antichrist. For Antichrist comes and will establish a new form of Christianity. A Christianity that is empty of grace, that is a counterfeit faith, that is empty of the struggle and repentance and the flavor and the salt of true faith. The Antichrist, we are told, will appear to be Christian. In fact, Father Seraphim rose, Father Seraphim who was immersed both in scriptures and the writings of the Holy Fathers, who who lived a life of prayer and asceticism. He was able to discern that the Antichrist will come and will appear as though he is completely focused, he is completely centered on Christ. He will be a man apparently of peace. He will outwardly solve many of the world's problems. He will unify religious groups who appear to be separated. He will overcome doctrinal differences. He will bring peace and he will be a man of peace for the world. And in the end, of course, he will work signs and miracles that will deceive many, will deceive the world and even members of the church. And he will establish himself on this earth ruling from Jerusalem, ruling from the temple which will be rebuilt. And the coming religion of Antichrist will appear to be fully Christian. It will it will sound Christian. It will have the words, the hymns of Christianity. But it will be a counterfeit faith. This is the religion of Antichrist. In the past, in Roman times, when the pagans were putting Christians to death and In the USSR, when the Jewish atheists were hunting down and killing millions of Christians, it was obvious to see who they were. They could be identified. This will not be the case in the time of Antichrist. 
it will be the true Christians who will be ostracized and rejected as evil by the world. Good will be called evil and evil will be called good. The religion of Antichrist will outwardly appear Christian, but it will lead many away from salvation. We are already seeing the world's preparation and readiness for this face, fake, false religion of Antichrist. The world for some time now has been gearing up, particularly amongst those who are not part of the church. We see signs of it in our world today, particularly, we may say, in groups like the charismatic movement. This whole business of speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues did not reach America until the 1900s. In 1900, in Kansas, Charles Parham and a small group, a cult, were exploring religious experiences, wanting to, to have these feelings of religious ecstasy. And they began practicing, speaking in tongues, and it was them who who produced this term being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so the charismatic movement was born and spread through the Protestant heretical groups in America and even Roman Catholics in the, the 1960s. Many bishops and monk, uh, priests accepted the charismatic movement as being true. And it infested many liberal parishes in the Roman Catholic groups. And young people get drawn into this. The psychology, the, the group dynamic of these charismatic groups is such that many young people see these outward signs of what's taking place and are too afraid, too afraid of committing blasphemy against the Holy Spirit to question, what is this spirit? What is this spirit that is entering these people? It is claimed that it is the Spirit of God. And yet, amongst the many thousands, many thousands of different Protestant charismatic groups, all claiming that they are inspired by the Holy Spirit, we see an endless array of different beliefs and doctrines. How curious that the Holy Spirit should bring to these groups such different beliefs, such different doctrines. It is a spiritual anarchy, a chaos of belief. Why would the Holy Spirit bring such chaos to his people? The answer is he wouldn't, and he doesn't. This is not the Spirit of God we see manifest in these groups. When we see people imitating drunkenness or laughing like this Toronto blessing, or imitating the barking of dogs, or claiming to have spiritual experiences beyond their condition of purification then we know that this is not the spirit of god the spirit of god brings a conviction of sin the holy spirit confronts the evil within us his purity cannot enter the heart without confronting the evil it finds there and calling us to repentance this is the effect of the presence of the holy spirit in god's people not these outward signs, manifestations of something other. The Holy Spirit is not present in these charismatic groups. This is not the grace of God that we are witnessing. It is preparation for the coming Antichrist. 
It is a seeking after feelings and sensations, a kind of spiritual sensuality. It is transferring worldly and bodily trans, uh, sensuality into the realm of the spirit, into the realm of religious belief. It is of Antichrist. We didn't see the speaking in tongues beyond the book of Acts. And then St. Paul, when he writes his letter, condemning that which is producing confusion and disruption in one of the churches. And in, in the book of Acts, the apostles spoke in the languages of the crowds who witnessed them. It wasn't just a random babble. People heard them speaking in their own languages. In the 1990s, St. Porphyrius of Mount Athos, his disciples described how people would visit him. And St. Porphyrius wasn't a great learned man. He spoke only Greek. And yet when people went to visit him, regardless of their nationality, they would go in and confess their sins and they would come out joyful. And people would say to them, what language did Father Porphyrius speak to you? And they would say, oh, he spoke my own language, a German, French, and so on. When he was asked about this, St. Porphyrius said, well, when I hear their confession, I just answer them in my own language. I speak Greek. And yet they heard their own languages being spoken. So blessed was he, so filled with the Holy Spirit. When we look at the lives of the Desert Fathers, such holy, spirit-filled men. So spirit-filled were they that they raised the dead, they healed, they prophesied, but they did not speak in tongues. And yet when we look around the world at many pagan religions, we see glossolalia speaking in tongues present there. And those who minister to the possessed, those who minister to the possessed record how one of the symptoms sometimes they see in possessed people is speaking in tongues. We must beware. There are no tricks and techniques to produce a spiritual status or a spiritual level within the soul. It is a struggle. It is repentance. It is purification of our soul and turning away from sin. There is in orthodoxy a word called prelest, which is spiritual deception. And it really is a description of that condition where someone who seeks, when they seek after spiritual feelings or spiritual experiences that are beyond their, their level of purification they are so filled still with the passions and yet immediately they anticipate and expect and seek after spiritual feelings consolations experiences they enter into deception and they make themselves the plaything of the demons we must guard ourselves against any such practices the devil the devil grants visions the devil grants warm spiritual feelings the devil grants comfort when we look at people who practice yoga and meditation they often speak of a feeling of well-being 
These are not the feelings we are seeking after. Christianity is not a means to well-being. We are not trying to satisfy ourselves and make ourselves feel better. This is the teaching of the world. The road to Christ is thorn-filled. It is carrying our cross. It is narrow. It is difficult. To follow Christ is a hard choice. But the world and its counterfeit faith will tell us otherwise. Those who are orthodox, those who are orthodox must hold on to what God has given us. Hold on to the grace and the faith that is orthodoxy. We must reject the influences of the world, the, the modernism, the ecumenism, everything that would make Christianity palatable for the world, we must reject. This is not of God. This is not the faith of the apostles, and this is not the faith of orthodoxy. Let us reject everything that would water down our faith and make it acceptable for those outside the church. We must reject the, the heresies that are taught that Christianity somehow sanctifies the world. And we hear people going off and trying to build their utopia and sanctifying the world around us. This world will not be sanctified. This world will be condemned. A great evil is to be unleashed in this world. Deception runs amok. We see sin. We see people turning away from God. A rejecting of the truth, which is Christ himself. This is the world around us. We cannot embrace or try to make our faith palatable for this. For this cannot be mixed with the pure and holy things of God. And we put ourselves at risk and we place ourselves outside of the truth when we chase after these, these fantasies. And only if we retain the true flavor of orthodoxy, the true salt of orthodoxy, are we able to resist this deceit, this deceit that prepares the world for Antichrist. Only if we are living out our faith daily, repenting, struggling, praying, trying to be obedient to God, will we retain the truth of the Christian faith? Will we remain within the church? And while Antichrist will come and perform signs and wonders that, that the world will applaud, his miracles will appear godly. CNN and the BBC will praise him. Guard yourself. Guard yourself against the deception that is to come. There is one faith, one baptism, one church, and it is holy orthodoxy. We must be obedient to the teachings that the Holy Spirit has given to the church. Walk this narrow way. Remain within the boundaries of the faith. Not even for an instant, in any small way, should we allow ourselves to step beyond this narrow way of salvation. The easy, feel-good version of Christianity has nothing to do with God. We know 
This deception is to grow and evil is to become more powerful in this world for a little while. But let us not be afraid. Let us always keep our vision fixed on what is to come. For Christ is the victor. We know this in our hearts. Christ is to be the victor. When Antichrist comes and the world praises him, when we are rejected, when we are unable to buy and sell and mix with other people for whatever reason, let them do as they will. For we know Antichrist will fall and we know Christ has the victory. So I wanted to play that because he sounds so wise and excellent. I don't agree with everything Father Spiridon says. I don't believe in identifying, uh, you know, oh, you must do this and you must be obedient. <laughs> Obedience. You should define that at another time. But what you have to do is just walk in faith. And that's key. But we also have to use discernment. I'm going to tell you, I was extremely irate, angry, upset, um, that even during divine liturgy on Thursday, I couldn't even stay at the church more than like 20 minutes. And I know I was there for Father Stacy, which his death hurt me more only because of you know, our discussions a couple days before he passed, you know, on my name day, of course. Well, it was the day after my name day, to be exact. Um, but because of what I see, what churches have done, and, and, and bear with me on this one. My friend took the second dose of the vaccine a couple weeks before he went on vacation, his last vacation with his family. He had actually just returned back to Indiana, um, and it was his um, first service after being back from vacation when he passed. And when I called him, I, I was only able to speak for him uh, just under three minutes. I called him, and I was like, you know, this is, mm. it was like, lesson. I took it. I feel fine. I took it before I went vacation. You know, maybe I got the the placebo. He was just going on. But it made my parishioners feel safe and everyone's doing it. Um, and the church kind of, you know, is like, we should follow science. And I mean, they're masking people in church. Like, what the fuck? Excuse my French. I, it boggles my mind. I know that when the Greek Orthodox Church, because Father Sisu was working under the Orthodox Church of America, which is the OCA which is uh, Eastern Orthodox, generic, I would guess, Russian Orthodox, Ukrainian, Romanian, and then the Greeks like to be individuals, so they have their own, right? I don't discriminate. I don't, you know, but I'll tell you conversations that I had, which blew my mind. So um, so when I went to the funeral, uh, so many people were there with masks on. We didn't wear masks, Um no one said anything, even though the bishop said everyone needs to wear a mask. I saw a lot of people double masking. Um, I couldn't stand to be in there because of the pretentious attitude and the fact that they were conducting service with masks. I was getting enraged. I wanted to sit in the back of the church and start screaming, right? I, I literally, so I was outside smoking cigarettes, went back in, outside smoking cigarettes went back in 
I saw his daughters. I was really, really upset. You know, just the, the, the pretentious bullshit of a church telling you to stay in your lane or, or let's do this. I mean, what happened to separation of church and state? How is the state telling the church what to do? Question, right? Well, the day before I, well, it was Sunday, right? So it was the day before Monday, so Sunday. I went to take my daughter to this like um, Orthodox youth thing, which is great. And I, I and I was speaking to the president of the church council. And I was like, you know, this bullshit. I've been talking to, you know, the patriarch in Jerusalem, uh, you know, the metropolitans in Greece. And I'm like really pissed, right? Because in our church, the priest was like, yeah, go and get the vaccine. Duh, duh, duh. He said that like early this year. I was just like, he no, he didn't. And I was like, you know, Mount Athos, where all the monks are that pray day and night said not to take it. He's like, they don't have jurisdiction. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? One religion. That's where most of your saints come from. That's where generals go for guidance. That's where Putin goes every now and then to get anointed and conduct. And many of our presidents have gone there and you're going to sit there and tell me they don't have jurisdiction. I was like, well, the Greek one, he's like, they don't have jurisdiction. It's American. And I don't like it when people cause trouble in my church. I was like, listen, dude, you haven't seen trouble yet. Okay. If I want to pull my fucking, my uncle's a patriarch card, I'll fucking pull that shit. Don't test me. I'm telling you it's all messed up and we shouldn't have things like politics and healthcare involved in religion. We should just be talking about religion. That is it. I don't understand this. Why is it that these churches are causing these disruptions? I mean, when he came back with no jurisdiction, my, 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 Eyeballs started to somersault. It's like, who the fuck is this talking? He's the president of the council. He's like, well, if you don't like how I do it, you run for it. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to work and burn down institutions, right? I wouldn't even want to even attempt it. Jurisdiction. I was like, for fuck's sake, are you serious? Because I sent the scathing email to my priest. I think I told you guys that. You know, this is ridiculous. You know what he said? Oh, well, you know, you could choose from another church if you don't. I was like, no, nah, man, I pay my dues in order to be part of that church. Don't fucking, you need people. Don't fucking talk to me like that. I, I, I was so upset. So I was set off from the day before. And then going to the church and seeing that, I mean, I told the bishop to, to his face, it's your fault. You're saying mandate vaccines, do all this shit. You are supposed to be promoting faith and you're telling people to doubt by doing things. So faith gives no doubt. Faith, because you're faithful, you know that when you're busy, you know, going to church so that you can listen to the words because you don't want to read them or you want to listen to them so you can hear what you might have missed, right? Or because it gives you a, a sense of peace because all you're doing is listening and you don't have to do anything else and you're there and your phone is off and you're in your zone doing your thing, right? This is why you go to church, right? You don't go for bullshit politics. You don't go for anything else. You just want a sanctuary, a physical sanctuary, even though it's within you. 
to just be there. You think that when they're doing their prayers or whatever, I'm thinking of the same thing when I'm in church? No, I'm busy thinking of the things I want to. And so it frustrates me that the church has now created, institutionalized itself, you know, and just from the way he was speaking, it's jurisdiction. Fuck that jurisdiction. I didn't know that Jesus said, well, you know, according to jurisdictions, you're allowed to do this and you shouldn't be doing this. And we're only going to read these parts of the Bible. Hence why we're going to go back to a Bible we have is watered down anyway. And and everybody wants to read the word and say, well, it says this, it says that. When people instill fear, I mean, come on, guys, seriously. Would you love your parent more if you feared them or if you realized just how forgiving they are? You see, that's the problem. For me, it was like, it made me sick watching it. The whole going through the motions, it really upset me. And I was like, well, there you go. Tori, you got your answer. This is why people don't know how to pray anymore. This is why um, people get frustrated, right, with religion because they're given so many rules and because of things like this where they just put people in a box. Speaking of religion as well, you know, my eldest daughter's in the army and just like many others, she got that letter. You got until this day to get a vaccine or here's what you're going to do. You're going to write a really, really long essay and you're going to tell us why you're refusing this vaccine on a religious exemption. Once we receive it, you're then going to go in front of a chaplain. The chaplain will then decide if it's a valid religion. That's number one. Number two, the chaplain would discuss with you with what you're missing out on by getting this vaccine and how it may not, you know, be a religious exemption. Oh, but then say the chaplain agrees that it's a religious thing. Then you're going to go see a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist will then see if you're of stable mind making such a decision. Again, reinforcing the really good stuff about the vaccine and how your religion doesn't really mean anything. Now, if you manage to escape the psychiatrist, who's probably going to be someone that maybe is confused who they are, what they identify as, right? Then you can stay. But if you reject this vaccine and you need to go, I don't know, to Africa or wherever, and you need a yellow fever vaccine, that's not mRNA. You can't have that one to go because from now on, you're going to be U.S. based only and your career is grounded. Gotta love that, don't you? Gotta love that, don't you? Now, many senior officers have resigned, from what I've heard, from, from many branches. It's the NCOs and, uh, you know, your rank and files that are having a big problem. I can't believe it. You're going to have a chaplain that might be a Muslim that'll piss all over your religion. Or it might be a Christian that'll piss all over the Muslim religion, right? You don't know. I can't believe that they will first check to see if your religion is legit and, you know, if they can come back with arguments to convince you not to listen to your religion, right? Or whatever your convictions are. And then if you pass that, the psychiatrist 
will decide if you're if you're if you have a stable mind when making that decision. <laughs> Look at that. So religion is now under scrutiny. They're going to tell you what's a legit religion and what's not. And I guess the legit religion is the one that stays in a box in a church that follows orders that does what they say and according to the jurisdictions of the church executes that well. It's just insane. Like, this is just insane. So that's why I thought I'd start with that. I'd start with the more spiritual stuff that upset me a lot. Because that's not what he intended. Never did. Read his words. That's how it goes. I've never seen such insanity in my life. When it comes to something as simple as faith. And I say faith is simple. Because unlike Father Spirit, that's like, oh, you know, it's really hard to follow the Christ, the path of Christ. No, it's not. It's super easy, easy, easy. God is simple. Everything is simple. Life is simple. We're the ones. We're the ones making it complicated. We're the ones making it complicated. Religion is simple. God is simple. Answers are simple, right? It's not complicated. Nothing is complicated. When it's complicated, well, that's you doing it. You see, that's the hand of man doing it. Now, there's a lot that I want to talk about today, and I don't even know where to start. I mean, do I start with the told you so's because I'm not going to, I know I'll end with that because I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but I'm going to introduce you so I can open your eyes to things so you can see it from a different perspective. But um, we need to talk about General Millie just a little bit because I'm going to disagree with a lot of the shit that you say out there. And that's me saying that. Um, um, <laughs> we do have to talk about uh, vaccines and, and and the confusion, but we also have to talk about Trump derangement syndrome, that shit's still real. So before we get into that, I think it's just to, let's address some weird, um, oh, and then we're also going to address how the U.S. came in last in A-U-K-U-S. You know, here's our union with the crown. Ooh, look at that. We're all subjects again. How's it feel? Oh, no, it's just an economic agreement, and we're doing like three I's. Yeah, you think so? That's what it is? Okay. Sure, because that's what the European Union was. Remember when all those nations lost their sovereignty? Yeah, that's what's up. So let's talk about this little bit of confusion. Everybody needs to get vaccinated, but they're not sending enough vaccines. What's going on? Yes, let's now go to um, the State Department briefing where our Emerald Robinson is getting into it. Listen. Yes, the Biden administration is cutting supplies in red states by 50 percent. So, for example, uh, you know, in Florida, they were expecting to get 70,000 doses this week, which they say they need. They're only getting 30,000 doses. And this is not just for unvaccinated people. In South Florida, half the people who are seeking this treatment are fully vaccinated. So why is the Biden administration cutting these supplies? That's not accurate. So let me give you the accurate information. Uh, first of all, we are increasing our distribution this month by 50%. In early August, we were distributing an average of 100,000 doses per week. Now we're shipping an average of 150,000 doses per week. Over the last month, though, 
uh, and one thing that I think people need to understand for clarity, facts, I know, I know you're like facts, um, is that monoclonal antibodies are life-saving therapies that are used after infection to prevent more severe outcomes. So clearly the way to protect people and save more lives is to get them vaccinated so that they don't get uh, the COVID to begin with. But over the last month, given the rising cases due to the Delta variant and the lower number of vaccination rates in some of these states like Florida, like Texas, just seven states are making up 70% of the orders. Our supply is not unlimited and we believe it should be equitable across uh, states across the country. Do you- There have been no reports of a, a, a lack of supply. So why cut them to those states only if there's no reports I think our role as the, as the government overseeing the entire country is to be equitable in how we distribute. We're not going to give a greater percentage to Florida over Oklahoma, nor do I think are you suggesting that. I think we have to move on. Go ahead, Yamish. Thanks so much. One Wait, so there's no shortage, but they want to be equitable. Why can't they just give whatever the states are asking if there's no shortage? Sounds like they're creating a shortage. Question, one follow-up question on, on booster shots. I'm wondering if you could just say whether or not the president is at all even concerned about whether um, the administration endorsing booster shots before the FDA fully approved them just looks like they're trying to... All right, Jen Psaki, uh, answering one of Emerald's questions about uh, the um, report. To the well, speaking of Psaki, have you guys heard this? I mean, you know, just... We need vaccines. We need them to be good. We need all this. We need all that. You should get vaccinated to prevent needing monoclonal antibodies. Even though the majority of the people in the hospital are what? Oh, yeah, that's right. They're vaccinated. But the crazy one is watching what she said. And I want you to hear this because it's really important because words matter. Their words really matter. And it's um, quite fascinating to hear. Take a listen to this. Uh, sicknesses to reduce hospitalizations, to protect more people and save more lives. I will say that he was channel channeling the frustration that millions of people across this country are feeling who are vaccinated, that many governors and elected officials have uh, also uh, shared uh, their frustration over. And as is uh, the case, I mean, it is also true that uh, there has also been a growing frustration among people. So if you look at the trends over the last uh, couple of months, um, you know, we didn't anticipate, I will say, that when there was a vaccine approved by uh, under a Republican president, that, that the Republican president uh, took, that there would be such hesitation, opposition, uh, vehement opposition in some cases from so many people of his own party uh, in this country. We didn't anticipate that. It's also true. Uh, Listen to the beginning. Listen to the beginning. Sicknesses to reduce hospitalizations, to protect marked people. and To protect marked people. Again. His sicknesses to reduce hospitalizations, to protect marked people. Uh, his sicknesses to reduce hospitalizations, to protect marked people. Uh, his sicknesses to reduce hospitalizations, to protect marked people. Uh, his sicknesses to reduce hospitalizations, to protect marked people. Hmm. They tell you everything you need to know if you're listening. Marked people. She didn't say more people. She said marked people. They want to protect Mark people. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, this isn't the first time. Who was it that said that they were Mark? It was Biden, and I'm still trying to find that. 
damn clip because they turned him off. Who's the one that keeps turning off his stupid mic? See, I didn't catch it live, so I wasn't screen recording, and that happened. All right, so here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to get into um, just a little bit on Blinken and his lies, and I'm only going to focus on Representative Maliotakis. Uh, she gave a nice, a nice interview about it um, where Anthony Blinken, Tony Blinken, we talked about Tony. You should see some of the emails I got with Tony on. Um, she pretty much said he lied. Take a listen. That disastrous, I don't like calling it a withdrawal. I call it a, with, uh, a retreat from Afghanistan, which ended uh, formally on August 31st. Uh, the Taliban now back in control in that country 20 years after 9-11. Joining us this morning for more is the assistant whip for the House Republican Conference and New York Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. Congresswoman, good morning. Nice to have you back on. Good morning. Um, I saw you earlier this week on Monday. Uh, you questioned the Secretary of State remotely, of course. Uh, he, he didn't want to show up in person on Capitol Hill. But he told you that the ability of al-Qaeda and the Taliban to attack the United States has been, quote, dramatically downgraded. Uh, did you believe him? Absolutely not. And, and that is why I asked the question, because his first statement out of the gate when testifying that day was that the Taliban says, and they made a commitment to them, that uh, they will not allow Afghanistan to become a base for terrorism again. And I, I just can't understand how he could make that statement, considering that the Taliban are terrorists themselves, and that uh, Haqqani is now one of the uh, uh, cabinet members of, of uh, the Taliban. Uh, and his network is a terrorist organization, and there is, you know, money out for his for information leading to his arrest uh, by the United States of America. So it was astounding to me that the Secretary of State could stand before Congress and say basically that they're trusting the Taliban uh, to prevent terrorism from once again emerging. What was interesting was the very next day, the CIA and the DIA both said that it was a matter of just one to two years before Al-Qaeda has reemerges re right. in that region and can, and can conduct another attack against the United States of America. So did Secretary Blinken outright lie to me, or is he just clueless? Or are these agencies not talking to each other? Do, do you think that he lied to you? Do you think he was lying deliberately? I don't know whether he lied or whether he just has no idea what he's talking about. Uh, the latter could very well be possible, considering right. how you know, discombobulated the agency was during this process. You know, my office, as well as other congressional offices, reached out to the Department of State for assistance in evacuating uh, American citizens and our Afghan partners who worked alongside the military men and women for years. Uh, in, in, in one case, they were able to assist me in getting a family that resides in Brooklyn, New York, out. Uh, but in other cases, we had to work with some of those veteran groups that were on the ground doing it on their own because the State Department was not The State Department not is not doing anything. Uh, it's a slap in the face to anyone who served or served with us that it's up to these veterans groups. Thank God for them. But they are the ones doing the hard work here. Um, and I want to know what the plan is to get Americans out of that country that want to get back to the U.S. But I'm wondering, after watching this testimony and, and listening to Blinken for two days drone on about the capabilities of the Afghan army, um, why didn't the Biden administration know more about the capabilities 
of the Taliban in a military capacity, but also the lack of capability when it comes to that Afghanistan, that Afghan army that Joe Biden touted as this force of 300,000. Well, as you as you know, you know, the president was urging the Afghan government to act as if everything was okay and they were stronger than they really were. So perhaps the president, it seems, knew that they were going to fail, but continued to move on because he wanted to complete this withdrawal. The problem is it turned into a complete disaster because it wasn't conditional as President Trump had suggested it should be. It was not uh, also based on evacuating citizens first prior to the, uh, the the military. And it also, there was a, 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 a civ process for our allies that was not in place before this withdrawal occurred. So all of that led to what we saw occur, unfortunately, the, the tragic death of 13 military men and women. I'll say this, you know, Democrats don't seem as committed as Republicans to getting answers for those families and for the American people. And right. that to me is absolutely outrageous. We did this hearing and they tried to blame President Trump, who who has clearly said he would have done things differently uh, and laid out those differences. Instead, they wanted to turn a blind eye to the commander in chief who was yeah. there for the last yeah. nine months. Uh, so that to me is problematic. And I'll say lastly, I am concerned about uh, what is occurring there with uh, terrorism reemerging, but also with our open borders. You know, we have to be very vigilant at this time. You know, we just, we just had the 20th uh, anniversary of 9-11. That should be a reminder that we must always right. be vigilant, and that includes securing our borders. Congresswoman, I, I'm 208,000 illegal crossings in August alone. Uh, that's a 300% increase over August 2020. 50,000 refugees, many of which were not properly vetted. Uh, that is a scary thought, especially any, especially uh, when we're in September um, and, and we're looking back at 9-11. Uh, I, I totally agree with you there. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. By the way, I enjoy following you on Twitter. I saw your AOC Met Gala tweet uh, a day ago uh, calling her out for um, the, the ticket and the dress and all that. Such hypocrisy. This coming from a, a congresswoman from New York, by the way, uh, AOC, that drives a Tesla um, and, and she did not pay for that ticket, but that was a, uh, that was a very good. Very you can good get tour. one of the stop the squad t-shirts on my, uh, on my website. I, I know, I know something we should all do. Uh, Congresswoman Maliataka, so nice to see you again. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. All right. Hey, so, I'm Rob Finnerty. Thanks for watching. If you Yeah. Not promoting him. Uh, not everything's accurate. Our right wing media is infected too. Teslas are so bad. They're not that expensive anymore. Um, so <laughs> just saying if it was a Jeep, Cherokee, they wouldn't say the same thing. But um, so earlier, before I decided to do a show, because I was kind of spent, I was talking with, you know, um, friends that do law stuff. And um, I, I was um, telling them what I'm going to be and how I'm going to be responding. And we were just having a discussion. You're not going to do a show today. And uh, no one's expecting me. I don't want to, but there's so much. I mean, we're building a huge fat ass wall around the Capitol. Somebody's got to talk about that, right? Someone's got to talk about why are they, you know, building a big ass wall around the Capitol? Like, what are they expecting? Why is it being built? And I think I saw a clip, hold on, that I tried to get to play. Let me take a look if I can find it. And I was like, Someone shared it. I'm pretty sure someone shared it. It was a clip of them. T 
talking about it. I'm trying to find it. I saw it. Let me see if I can find it. Because it was, I was like, yeah, that's what's up. People are seeing it now. Because you have to ask yourself, why the hell are they um, building a wall now? And I saw a clip. I knew about it yesterday uh, when the contract popped. I get alerts, you know, on my phone. Um, but I was too busy driving, you know, 300 miles with one lane at 40 miles an hour, which was driving me insane, driving me completely insane. Okay. It was the most, it was the most excruciating drive ever only because there was only one lane and that was, uh, really disheartening. But the one thing that I, Oh, before I forget, one thing I have to tell you, as I was driving to Indiana, I noticed, um, uh, there were a lot of trucks, flatbeds, and if there wasn't traffic, I wouldn't have seen it, which had really alarming things on them. Most of them were these massive generators, all Air Force tagged generators, like a shit ton of generators, um, a ton of them. Uh, others were, um, components of a weapon that I know that is an e-weapon. So I was like, what the, f like, why? It's like a part that you need for a weapon that I know has to do with electronic jamming. And they were everywhere, everywhere. And I was just flatbeds. We're not, you know, like wide load flatbeds. Like I was like, dang, what is going on? And they were all heading, you know, out West uh, and the generators, all of them were, um, air force because I, I was the one that rented the vehicle. I was the only one driving it cause nobody else was named on it. I was so tired. The stupid car was screaming at me. The fed car was like, you need to take a break. And it's like, all right, thanks. But you know, don't really need to take a break from going 10 miles an hour for the last hundred miles. Um, I just kept screaming. Like, what am I supposed to do? Stop the car. I mean, I could have stopped it and then sped up after a little bit. <laughs> anyway, I saw I saw them only because it was standstill. And I had my co-passengers, um, you know, tell me what markings you see. Oh, my gosh. Let me take a look at that. You know, so <laughs> I, I wanted to bring that to your attention because I also saw a friend of mine in Tennessee who had recorded video from the railway this is like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. They've got rail cars going past with a shit ton of tanks heading north. So that was really weird too. Shit ton of tanks. So you have to wonder on that. Now, speaking of, you know, crazy stuff, let's talk a little bit about Trump derangement syndrome. That's a real thing. They hate Trump so bad. They hate him super bad. So bad that... We went and made a deal, right? We went and made a deal with the two countries that participated in the PP dossier. Because, you know, we should share intelligence. Yeah, you fucking manufacture it because you manufactured a whole dossier. Australia and United Kingdom kind of helped with that private intelligence agency, didn't you? But we should talk about how President Trump eats a lot of McDonald's. Because, you know, while the world's on fire, people are dying from the vaccine. The Taliban had taken a shit ton of cash. We had stashed all the weapons, right? They're, they're gone. Uh, Vax passports are being rolled out, right? 
People are freaking out. The military has literally put their boot on every soldier's, sailor's, and airman's face. We should worry about this. Of us love a fast food binge, whether it's a convenient drive to a nearby major chain for an energy-boosting Monday morning breakfast, or a steady stroll to a local restaurant for a greatly deserved Friday night treat, the pleasurable bites of naughty, fatty foods deliver their own unique joy. Research compiled by QSR Magazine shows industry titans such as McDonald's, Subway, and Taco Bell rule the roost when it comes to fast food chains. But data revealed by Eat This, Not That suggests independent establishments remain popular. During the COVID-19 pandemic, 87% of people ordered from a specific restaurant to help its finances. World leaders, on the other hand, are going to expect world-leading gourmet dining. Or so you might think. The most regal in society are stereotypically aligned with eating in luxurious, astoundingly expensive hotels and restaurants reserved exclusively for the elite. For instance, Donald Trump was known to frequent a fine dining establishment during his term as president. In fact, he went to exactly one D.C. restaurant in those four years, the BLT Prime Steakhouse and his own Trump Hotel. His regular order wasn't particularly fancy and consisted of a shrimp cocktail, a well-done steak, and fries. It sounds like Trump was pining for his campaign trail McDonald's order whenever he sat down at his hotel's steakhouse. According to Business Insider, the 45th U.S. president would get a McDonald's order of extraordinary proportions, filled with salt, fat, and a surprising amount of fish. That's because, despite the culinary wonders undoubtedly provided by the hotels and golf courses he owns across the globe, Trump still relies on McDonald's for fuel. This was especially true when he was running for president. Business Insider reported Trump's mammoth order as two Big Macs, two filet fish burgers, and a large chocolate milkshake. All in all, the artery-clogging meal is estimated as containing an almost impressive 2,430 calories. To put that into context, a moderately active man of Trump's age needs 2,200 calories a day, according to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. An analysis by Eat This, Not That shows Trump's McDonald's order is packed with poor nutrition, including 111 grams of fat, 102 grams of sugar, and 3,480 milligrams of sodium. Not only is Trump getting more calories than he needs from just one meal, but he's also getting an overabundance of sugar and sodium. The FDA's Dietary Guidelines for Americans recommends that people get 10% of their calories from added sugars. For Trump, that would be 220 calories maximum. Sugar has 4 calories per gram, so Trump's McDonald's order includes 408 calories from sugar alone. Also, Dietary Guidelines for Americans says sodium intake shouldn't exceed 2,300 milligrams a day. Trump didn't always eat McDonald's while jetting from one campaign stop to another, but anyone concerned about the president's health won't be impressed with his non-McDonald's options. The 2017 book, Let Trump Be Trump, the tell-all that revealed that infamous two Big Mac, two filet fish order, also mentioned the four major food groups on Trump's plane, McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Pizza, and Diet Coke. Trump has gotten a lot of flack for his McDonald's order due to its poor nutritional value and sheer enormity. Business Insider published a first-hand account of one writer's journey eating the entire thing. He took more than an hour to finish, pushing himself far beyond the point where he was full and succeeding only thanks to stubborn pride. Business Insider might have had an easier time with Trump's dinner and eat this, not that might have been less judgmental of its nutritional value. 
if they hadn't overlooked something about Trump's McDonald's order that one of the authors of Let Trump Be Trump told CNN. Trump didn't eat the buns. So before the ex-president accuses us of fake news, we present the revised calorie count for Trump's McDonald's order. 1,880 calories. It may be the case that dietary concerns are not at the forefront of Trump's mind when buying food. According to Showbiz Cheat Sheet, Trump believes that fast food chains have a high standard of hygiene, helping alleviate his fear of germs. He is also afraid of being poisoned. And McDonald's is good for that because he can have someone run to the local fast food joint unannounced to pick up something pre-made. Together, Grimace, we could own this town. Perhaps the best thing about fast food for an American president, in terms of public image, is its relatability. Trump may be a billionaire with glittering towers around the world that bear his name, but he likes McDonald's and KFC too. As Trump's former advisor Kellyanne Conway told the New York Times in 2016, it goes with his authenticity. When the Clemson University football team visited the White House in 2019 to celebrate its national championship, Trump famously fed them hundreds of burgers and chicken nuggets from nearby fast food outlets. While explaining this unusually pedestrian White House feast, Trump told the press, I like it all. I like it all. It's all good stuff. Great, great American food. Check out one of our newest videos right here. Plus, so that was a prelude to the insanity, but like, who cares? So he eats burgers. He likes fries. Joe likes little kids. We're not talking about that. We should just talk about two scoops, right? <laughs> two Big Macs. <laughs> two filet fishes it's always on toes but they're really freaking out they're really freaking they're putting together pieces about how he's not eating well and wait cnn freaked out guess what they discovered there's evidence that donald trump is running a shadow presidency something depressing i'm going to tell you anyway tom brady is only one year younger than me. Whoa, a punch in the gut. One benefit of never admitting you lost a presidential election, even though, of course, you did, is that you can just keep on acting like you're the president. That's exactly what Donald Trump is trying to do these days, overseeing he a sort of the shadow president. presidency he is. for the base of the Republican Party, in which COVID-19 isn't that big a problem, the 2020 election was stolen, and Donald Trump was right about, well, everything else, too. The latest example of Trump's shadow presidency came earlier in September when the Washington Post reported that Trump had spoken with several family members of those killed by a suicide bomber in the final days of American military involvement in Afghanistan. Well, why shouldn't he? Someone should. Joe Biden was busy watching his clock, which I know was probably a cue. You know, it was like an electric cue. But and we'll talk about that another time. But why not? Why not? Are you jealous? Are you jealous? You have said he's really the president. Say it. Now, those calls followed considerable controversy over President Joe Biden's visit to Dover Air Force Base in Delaware to attend the ceremony bringing the remains of those 13 American military members killed in the bombing back to U.S. soil. Several families refused to meet with Biden at all, while others were critical of the president over his decision to end the war in Afghanistan after 20 years of American occupation. As the Post reported about these calls that the former president of the United States has been making, quote, Trump has criticized the way the Afghanistan withdrawal was handled, 
telling at least one family that he did not understand why Biden pulled the military out of the country before getting all the civilians out, according to people familiar with the calls who spoke on the condition of anonymity to disclose details of private discussions. President Trump isn't the only person that criticized that. I think any average IQ person, just a basic IQ of 99, you could summarize that and say, why would you take out the military and leave all the civilians, your dogs and other shit behind? It makes zero sense. You don't need to be an insider to say that. It went on. Trump has been briefed recently by former officials, including former CIA director and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, about what he did in Afghanistan as president and what they viewed as missteps by the Biden administration, advisors said. And quote, look, Trump even sent out a statement via his Save America PAC from the mother of one of the soldiers killed in the Afghanistan bombing, in which she suggested that her son, quote, was murdered for Biden optics. You know, this is coming from Chris. This loser, let me tell you something. Right after Obama took office, he wrote an actual very good article because minutes after swearing in, he signed his first executive order that Perkins Coley, by the way, crafted for him, right? It was actually Robert Bauer that was a partner at Perkins Coley who crafted it for him. I wrote an article about that. You should read it. And Chris Silza actually wrote an article saying, damn, that executive order has just put boots, concrete fucking boots on transparency. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. After that, it seemed like he was on his knees for Obama after that, which was so weird. And cool. And it's not just Afghanistan. On the 20th anniversary of the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks, Trump met with members of the New York police and fire departments. He pointedly did not participate in the more formal remembrance ceremonies that included past presidents, including George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Bill Clinton. And as always, there's no bottom and it gets worse. So Bush... Oh, so you mean he went and actually spoke to people in his own hometown, right? Who he was with during 9-11 without the imposters. <laughs> Everyone's like, what's that tab on his ear? It's like, man... Wait till you know the truth about a lot of shit like this. We did the whole B.O.B. videos, didn't we, before I showed you that rapper from like 10 years ago. We did that. But anyway, I digress. Look at look at them fume. Two terms, two impeachments, two filet fish two Big Macs, two scoops. Used his speech at the 9-11 commemoration event to call on Americans to confront domestic violent extremists, comparing them to violent extremists abroad and warning that they are, quote, children of the same foul spirit, end quote. Now, Trump, damn Bush, decided to send out a release in which he bashed Bush this way, quote, he shouldn't be lecturing us about anything. He said it, 9-11, hello, Trump said, adding, the World Trade Center came down during his watch, end quote. Wait till we get some transparency on that. Yeah, there's no bottom. It's hard to overstate what a break Trump's rhetoric and behavior is from the way past presidents have comported themselves after they left office. The general unwritten rule for former presidents, there's not a rule book, is to stay out of national affairs, knowing perhaps better than anyone else on the planet that you're not clued into the full spectrum of an issue in nearly the same way that the sitting president is. As the Washington Post, Dan Zak wrote recently of the post-presidency, quote, a post-presidency is its own kind of office, term limited only by death and held at any given time by few men. 
each with their own ideas of how to wield a more abstract kind of power. End quote. George W. Bush, for one, moved back to Texas, took up painting, and almost never offered commentary, positive or negative, about Barack Obama. Uh, yes, he did. You would think. Yes, he did. Bush's nose was super brown, too. Always up Obama's ass. Quote, I think part of having a fulfilling life is to be challenged, Bush said after leaving the White House, adding, I'm challenged on the golf course. I'm challenged to stay fit, and I'm challenged by my paintings. I am happy. End quote. Good for him. Obama, following his departure from the White House in early 2017, angered lots of liberals with his own refusal to speak out against Trump and Trump's efforts to summarily roll back many of the measures the 44th president had put in place over his eight years in office. Yeah, he was busy getting caught in New Zealand, getting caught in China, getting caught in Europe. We fucked him good. You don't know about that yet. While Obama eventually did come out, particularly as the 2020 election heated up, with a more biting critique of the Trump years, it was still not enough for many who believed Obama owed it to the party and to the country to blast away at Trump for four straight years. Trump, everyone uh, overly concerned himself with how past presidents have behaved as a roadmap for you know his own behavior, hasn't even ever acknowledged that Joe Biden won the presidency fair and square, much less step back in terms of a public role. Instead, he's pushed conspiracy theories about non-existent voter fraud in places like Arizona and Georgia and Pennsylvania. Yeah, wait till it all comes out. Pennsylvania and Michigan, and I could go on. He's also suggested that Biden is doing a horrible job in dealing with COVID-19. Yeah, he totally is. I don't see any post saying, my president is amazing. We always had posts. Trump is the best. Da, da, da. Where have you seen a, oh, Biden is such an awesome president. When have you seen any of that shit going around? Let's be, let's be straight. Let's be straight. First of all, POTUS never conceded. We, the people never conceded, right? And nobody did. What a loser, Chris, my God. And over here, he's got hair like right there. That's so weird. Right there. Like flanking his nostrils. Never seen just a hairy patch right there. So bizarre. In a statement that came from the Save America PAC on Afghanistan, Trump has also said that, quote, never in history has a withdrawal from war been handled so badly or incompetently as the Biden administration's withdrawal from Afghanistan, end quote. Not really one for half measures, I guess. In short, Trump has continued to act as though the 2020 campaign is still going, which for him, apparently, it is. Rather than issuing a call for unity after a hard-fought race, a la Al Gore, following the lengthy recount in the 2000 presidential contest, Trump has doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on pushing false narratives to a party base only too eager to accept whatever. They're the only ones saying that it's false. Chris, your copy's not good. He says. That decision has, not surprisingly, left the country as divided, if not more divided, than we were in the heart of the 2020 campaign. And it's turned things like getting vaccinated against a deadly virus that has killed more than 650,000 Americans and counting into the worst kind of political football. Wait a minute. Weren't they the ones saying, do you trust Trump? I, no one's going to have to take it. You shouldn't take it. Then they get the presidency, right? Right. Then they steal it. And they're like, you better take it. It's all good. It's all good. Shut up. Let's get rid of this idiot. All right. Let's take a quick break. And then we're going to talk Millie. And Durham, of course. See y'all in just a bit. For the things we've done and left undone. For the ways we've wandered. 
from your heart Forgive us, we pray Forgive us, we pray For the idols we put on your throne For the loves we choose above your own Forgive us, we pray Forgive us, we pray Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy Lord have mercy on us, talk about a few things right now that are going to be quite interesting. We're going to talk about General Milley just a bit, and then we're going to end with Durham, who everyone's like, I don't believe he's coming. I don't Well, you know, we only had one person indicted already. This is number two. There's a shit ton coming. And the fact that he took Sussman, oh boy, that should tell you everything you need to know. But I've talked about Sussman in length. Even, I believe, was it a, a month or two ago, didn't we go over the timeline video that I have where I show you, oh, look, it all started in 2008. It all did this. It all did that, right? So Sussman, Hillary Clinton's lawyer. Ah, there's so many shows on that from 2018, 2019. Oh, dear, oh, dear. But I'm not even going to touch him. I'm going to take you back in time. I mean, when someone tells you who they are, you can, you should believe them because everybody tells you who they are. I've been telling you who I am. No one listens. And that's okay because you have that choice until, well, at some point you'll be like, wait, wait a minute. Let me just take you back in time. I'm going to introduce you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to introduce you to some, a company I wrote about, talked about fiddled about, uh, and um, pretty much, um, I, yeah, I wrote about them in big league politics a lot. 
talk about their, I've talked about them and what they've done in respects to uh, the DNC server and all these things and the collection of data and then, then because this uh, dossier was created, tasked, paid for by Robert Bauer, well, Perkins Coy, the DNC, Hillary, and Obama for America. Let's not forget, because they all commingled the accounts. We've talked about this many times. But the fun part is the tech part. Let's take a listen to this. The Denver BizTech Expo features a lot of new tech. Speaking of Denver, so weird. Same perpetrators that were involved in this whole DNC shenanigans and trying to, oh, you know, create that cozy bear shit, apartment nine shit. Oh, let's make it look like Russia shit, which is all coming out, right? All of it's coming out. It's so weird. They're in Denver and they so worked with clowns that are also situated in Denver going under this banner called Dominion. Ah, I hope Brennan has his shoes polished. Technology that businesses need to be aware of. That event coming up October 24th at the Colorado Air and Space Museum. David D. Camillus is the president and co-founder of this event, and he's joining us in the Information Center right now. Good morning to you, David. Thanks for coming in. Hi, Greg. Thanks. Your, Your tagline is get in front of what's next. So what things are on tap here? Well, we have Lattices returning as our presenting sponsor, and they're going to demo some virtual desktop and cloud solutions. Microsoft, who is unveiling the new Surface 2 today, will have that on hand. Hmm. And Dell will be showcasing some new hardware along with a lot of, lot of other technology providers from around the country. So who is this event really geared toward? Uh, that's a good question. We're gearing it towards small to mid-sized businesses. The idea is to get the technology in front of the business owners and the decision makers so they can see it, touch it, try it before they buy it. Last year's event was well attended. Uh, what, what were you hearing from attendees? We had over 600 attendees last year and we had over 400 companies. Um, what was nice is we had a 92% approval rating. Mm -hmm. Those attendees said they were most likely to return this year. So we're expecting even more attendees this year. You know, the Denver Chamber is obviously a big sponsor of this and supporter, too. What do you hope people walk away with after they uh, after they come here and see all these vendors? Um, honestly, it's to help their business grow by using technology. We're seeing a, a migration of technology, yeah. both on the consumer side and the business side, with tablets and with cloud. So we want to educate the consumers and educate the businesses on how. Now, let me show you more about this guy. Hold on. Here's the same guy at Lockheed Martin. Spent a full, what, 19 seconds touring Lockheed Martin's 3D virtual cave. I mean, the audio is stupid, but the video is stupid too. But you just got to see where this guy goes. So that's that guy you saw, Mr. David DeCamillis. Let's take a look at him again, same year. This is like six years ago, you know, right before the 2016 elections. Here he is on Fox. Let's take a listen. I was riding shotgun with my hair undone in the front seat of 
You know, so many of us are. If so, what are some of the newest tablets on the market out there? Technology expert David DeCamillis from Platte River Networks is here with more. He's always bringing the cool gadgets. We've got tablets, but we also have what they call ultra books or convertibles. Or, right, super right. thin notebooks that can mm -hmm. be used as a tablet. Do you want to start with those? Yeah, sure. Sure, let's I start mean, here. Everything's touchscreen now. Which is awesome. Which almost makes it like Did you hear it's this expert? He's the CEO of Platte River Networks. Ever heard of that? Well, let me introduce you to their video before they delete it. Hold on. I mean, here's the thing. They didn't delete it before because no reporter actually did their job to look into them when all this shit happened. But remember, this is the company that imaged the DNC server. Okay. Is your network slow and underperforming? Does your IT support take forever? No need to panic. At Platte River Networks, we've created Intuition, a robust management solution that'll help your company improve IT performance from the server infrastructure to the desktop and everything in between. We'll design, build, monitor, manage, maintain, and constantly improve your technology network. Pla we'll also make things look like uh, they're Russian when they're not, especially when you're trying to win an election. But don't take that from me. Take it from the affidavits and the testimony you're about to see. But speaking of that, let's just look at more stuff they do. Over the past 10 years, Platte River Networks has become one of Colorado's fastest-growing technology consulting firms. We just try to become your IT staff in whichever fashion you seem like you need. By providing the customer with what they really need, they're going to remember us. They're going to refer us. They're, they're going to use us again. I, I think that's important. It's, it's honesty and integrity. Wow, so this is the guy, the founder of the Denver, you know, uh, Tech Expo. He's also the CEO of Platte River, but here he's the director of uh, sales. That's, that's one of our core values. Platte River Networks takes a proactive approach to assessing its clients' needs. The company has aligned with the biggest names in the technology industry to create innovative service solutions such as its Intuition Bundle. We made a commitment to create a bundle that any small business needs to manage their IT infrastructure. And it covers everything from security, remote access, antivirus, backups, 24-7 monitoring. It allows us to not only do our job better, but also help keep the customer up yeah well let me just add they also help you know recreate things and they'll take your server and image it and del delete the things you tell them productive and keep their workers doing what they need to do Platte river networks attention to detail has paid off with recognition in the industry as a top emerging solution provider in addition to other awards at the national cloud summit the largest technology distributor in the world Inger micro put on we actually took home mvp of cloud services so uh, that really uh Put a, put a nice little uh, stamp of approval on the fact that we're taking the company in the right direction. The company employs the best technical and customer-savvy specialists to quickly and efficiently handle clients' changing IT landscapes. Some of the successes over the years have just been the retention of our customers, retention of our employees. I mean, we have customers that have been with the company since day one. That's 10 years. That's, that's pretty impressive, especially in technology. Congratulations to Platte River Networks, a finalist for the Small Business of the Year Award. Oh, isn't that great? And who are really wanting that foreign contract, right? They really wanted that.
So we're going to see a lot of this stuff come out, you know, from this second indictment. Um, and John Durham delivered. He went for the head. Okay. He went from the Gahona. So we've got tech executive number one <laughs> and a university. And I told you a couple weeks ago, damn, it's going to be a university coming into play soon. A university that helped. It was a U.S. based university helping in creating the information needed. I should, I should actually give you some quotes. Hold on. Let me, because uh, they're so good. Actually, they're so freaking good. I mean, I was reading the case and I was like, this is just way too much fun. Like Durham did a great job um, in putting together his one count against him. One count, that's all you need. Liar, liar, pants on fire, which is what he did. Hold on. Because it was a liar, liar, pants on fire moment. Um, okay. Super bizarre. Not here. Give me a second. I really need to read that portion with you because it's so good. Nope, wrong one. I have like so many documents open. I apologize. There it is. So let's start with, let's go to the quotes, which are super good. Do you guys want me to pull it up? Do you need me to pull it up? Let me check. If you guys want me to pull it up to share it. Do you want me to pull it up and share it? I can pull it up to share it. Give me a sec. Let me just put it in a browser for you guys to see it too. All right, so here we go. Let's share this in a browser. Let's share, share. Sus. So sus. <laughs> so this is the grand jury indictment of sus. Sussman. Michael Sussman. Shit. And everyone was talking, yeah, somebody that worked for Sussman or somebody, somebody who was freaking Sussman. The linchpin of it all. Now it all comes undone. I'm going to just skim by to the fun portions. This was the good fun portions. Hold on. Let me... Okay, research, okay, tech executive one clarified in an email to originator one, researcher one, and researcher two, that the task he had given them was indeed broad and further stated, being able to provide evidence of anything that shows an intent to behave badly in relation to this, the VIPs would be happy. They're looking for a true story that could be used as the basis for closer examination. Indeed, they use mail server dedicated or related to President Trump. Oh, dear. And they needed it to look like it was a Russian one. So here's on or about August 22nd, 2016. Shoot, when, where was Tori then? Researcher one emailed the affirmation recipients expressing continued doubt regarding the Russian Bank One allegations that Sussman would later convey to the FBI and raising concerns about the researchers' bias against Trump. Let's for a moment think of the best case scenario 
where we are able to somehow show that DNS communication exists between Trump and Russia. How do we plan to defend against the criticism that is not spoof traffic we're observing? There's no answer to that. Let's assume again they're not smart enough to refute our best case scenario. Tech Executive One, you do realize that we will have to expose every trick we have in our bag to even make it a very weak association. Let's all reflect upon that for a moment. Sorry, folks, but unless we get combined net flow and DNS traffic collected at critical points between suspect organizations, we cannot technically make any claims that would fly public scrutiny. The only thing that drives us is this point is that we just do not like Trump. This will not fly in the eyes of public scrutiny. Folks, I'm afraid we have tunnel vision. Time to regroup. Huh. I said it in my trying to be Cartman voice because that's how tedious they sound. Here's another quote of an email. In an email, Tech Executive One sought their views as to whether the paper's allegations would be plausible to security experts, even if the allegations were not demonstrably true. Please read as if you have no prior knowledge or involvement and you were handed this document as a security expert, not a GNS expert. And were asked, is this plausible as an explanation? Not to be able to say that it is without doubt fact, but to merely be plausible. Do not spend more than a short while on this. If you spend more than an hour, you failed the assignment, hopefully less. So these people were trying to find ways to create traffic, PCAP information, change it, make it look like Trump was talking to Russia. Wait, wait. Not only that, they needed to get that shit done for the hacking of the DNC. All right. Remember, there was a hack at the DNC. We need all this shit. We need it all to be there. Oh, my gosh. Like, what are you doing? Here we go. Sussman and campaign lawyer one each billed the call to the Clinton campaign with campaign lawyer one using the billing description teleconference with M. Sussman, read newspaper number one, and Sussman using the description, work regarding confidential project. Who's this newspaper one person that was working on this confidential product? Oh, on or about September 15, 2016, campaign lawyer one exchanged emails with the Clinton campaign's campaign manager, communications director, and foreign policy advisor concerning the Russian Bank One allegations that Sussman had recently shared with reporter one. Campaign lawyer one billed his time for this correspondence to the Clinton campaign with the billing entry email correspondence with name of foreign policy advisor, name of campaign manager, name of communications director, re Russia bank number one, alpha bank. Let's just say that. Okay. Let's make it easy. Uh, <laughs> so they were billing this to the campaign. This was all generated from the campaign. Do you know why? And I, you know what? You're going to hate me for this. It's okay. You're going to hate me for this. Okay. 
Dude. So they knew they were rigging this, right? But in case Hillary Clinton said anything, this was their way of trapping her. Did you realize that? They wanted to nail her for it. If anything went pear-shaped, to drop it on her, I mean, you can't have it to be, um, uh, you know, all about Obama, right? They tried to frame Hillary Clinton for this too. Um, I know Hillary was running the thing, but it was actually Obama. I want you guys to pay attention to that because even though they're they're tackling it and tagging it on to Hillary's campaign, the 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 billing. Remember the billing at Perkins Coy commingled Obama for America, Hillary for America, and the DNC money. So they targeted Hillary Clinton and put it there to make sure that they can keep hold of her. Remember, I've said you should watch the show Old Gods and New Gods, right? And the reason I say this is because this is what you're seeing. So I'm not saying she's not, she was loving this. She fucking loved this shit. Yeah, let's nail him. Yeah. But they were nailing her and she didn't know. I'm telling you that straight. Hillary Clinton didn't know that her own people were setting it up so that it looks like she did it. So I'm just telling you, she didn't pay for that shit. Obama was doing this shit. The DNC was doing this shit. This was the insurance they had to tie it to her. Okay. They needed to tie it to her because don't forget that Podesta and all of them, they all worked fucking Obama. The, the Perkins Coy was Obama White House counsel. Come on, guys. It's like super simple. Robert Bauer was Barack Hussein Obama's attorney. All right. So what they did was, and I'm just trying to show it to you, they were billing her campaign, but like she didn't know about that shit. She would have never let that shit happen. I'm telling you straight up, she would have never done that. Never. Um, Michael Sussman is an attorney at law firm Perkins Coy, right? Said not doing this for any client, represents the DNC, Clinton Foundation, etc been approached by prominent cyber people, academic or corp or point of contact, people like, and then three names. These are notes that they were taken by, by um, the general counsel when they were documenting their conversation with Sussman. And I want you guys to remember that Weissman is a piece of shit that was working for the FBI covering for Sussman. Just pointing it out. Just saying it. Just, just. Just mentioning it. We went over this stuff when it was hot tamale, you know, around the time that Peter Strzok got fired in 2018. This was really important. So these are this is all going to come out, but this is the first one. I want you to see how Sussman contradicted his false statement in testimony before Congress. So he lied. Question. When you decided to engage the two principals, one, the FBI general counsel in September and the general counsel of agency two, hey, Brandon, in December, you were doing that on your own by volition based on information another client provided you. Is that correct? No. So what was it? So did your client direct you to have those conversations? Yes. Okay. And your client also was witting of you to go to blah, blah, blah in February to disclose information that individual had provided you who fucking told you that in February of 2016, this whole shit started. I want to hear it. Who fucking told you this shit went down in January and February? Who told you that? Who told you that? I fucking told you that. Nobody else told you that. 
Nobody fucking told you that. We did my whole timeline. I could pull that shit up again. I'm the one that fucking told you. All this shit went down in January, February. Everything's monitored and recorded. Everything is there. I fucking told you, right? While everyone's sitting there with their thumbs up their asses, you knew it from back in the day when I told you the shit went down. And for those of you that are new to Tory Says, I really love to pull little Tory proofs. Let me show you. Let me go to YouTube and I'm going to pull that video out. Give me a second. And I'm going to show you how I even mentioned it because it was, we were talking about Durham when I mentioned it a couple months ago, a couple weeks. I don't remember. And let's see your channel, uh, manage your videos. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to 2020 where I did the walkthrough video, how to do it before Shadowgate. So I rushed doing it because we couldn't put it in Shadowgate. Give me a second, give me a second, give me a second. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Almost there. I just gotta find it. It's like a short clip and I'll fast forward through it too. Beginning of July, I did it because I knew that it was coming out and I needed to put that out. The one with the server. Where is it? Time. Timeline overview. There we go. All right. Presidential candidates begin. Now, if we're being monitored, then so are they. They okay. need... Let me swap screen so you can see it. I should show it to you because I told you when all this fuckery was happening. Now you see it in the whole thing, right? Here you go. So here's where I told you 2012, 2015. Hold on. Let me go forward where I'm talking about 2015 because I talked about all the fuckery that was going on in this video. FBI hires CrowdStrike. We're looking at 2015. I gave you their fucking playbook. Because like I told you, you know, people tell you, look, this is 2016. 20, no, 2015. This is 2015, right? All of this Russians. 2015 DNC. 2015, look at it. Let me take you. Oh, because I. You should listen to this. So there. He asked to create a secret separate server. And then he was responsible to release all her emails, but he said he needed time up until January 2016. Slowly. You know, just enough time for the FBI to mitigate because that's where the FBI had hired CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike was hired to find all these and get rid of them. And that same year, um, you know, in 2015, Clinton apologized. Then she agreed to turn over her thumb drive and her server, which one? Then she, uh, you know, did all these things. Oh, you know, she, first she's like, I didn't send any classified. She did. And then she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Then on September 8th, <laughs> John Brennan gets in contact with his favorite FBI agent. We all know who that is. Um, that's actually a CIA asset to reach out to the DNC and begin rapport with the DNC IT director. So they had multiple, multiple phone calls. So John McCain also reached out to his RNC um, contact uh, to and asked him to provide him access to specific emails and, and headers of emails um, that he requested. 
Now, November 15th, uh, the conversation around that time, uh, the FBI agent told the DNI's, uh, DNC's IT director that, oh, Russians are involved. But not say sponsor, he just said Russians, right? He was telling him, oh, you're going to see these phishing emails. Oh, you're going to see someone coming in and hacking into the emails and like deleting stuff. So he was getting him ready. He was telling him what he was going to see right? You're going to see this. And the guy couldn't see anything. Like he searched and searched and searched, couldn't find anything. Now in December of 2015, coincidentally, the DNC finally gets a new firewall, which means all the logs and stuff are now gone. (laughs) So then we go to um, uh, January of 2016, the FBI agent asked IT director to look for specific indicators. Um, You know, then, um, uh, we had, uh, well, this one is wrong. I'm going to edit it. It's January, the first meeting. But the DNC IT guy couldn't find anything again that the FBI claimed, even with like, here, look for this backslash, blah, blah, blah. You know, he looked and looked and couldn't find anything. The RNC server was image, imaged in February. Um, and so was the DNC server. It was imaged without the IT director's knowledge, obviously. And that happened when the two FBI agents turned up just saying. Um, So in March, uh, the FBI agent that was involved in the DNC grooming of this IT director saying, oh, we're just looking for emails that are hacks, meets with Sussman, who was, by the way, Hillary Clinton and the DNC's lawyers, just so you know. And they meet and discuss the DNC server and supposedly mid-year exam emails, you know, planning it out, basically. So that video, I can't zoom in. It's on um, YouTube. I can't zoom in. But I just wanted to say, I mean, I already knew. Who's the one that gave you the playbooks? I gave you that playbook a freaking long ass time ago. And then I made a video about it right before Shadowgate to make sure that I make sure that I walk you through every single step. So this is not shocking. So when I hear people saying, oh, Durham, it's like that. Durham's on number two. He got Sussman. Like, I would have expected him to get all the other little pussified people. I would have expected him to take out, you know, um, CrowdStrike. I would have expected him to take out this. Dude, where's Comey? Dude, where are they all? <laughs> now, while, while the deep state is having growing pains into growing panties and being responsible for the shit that they did, right? You're, you have to be busy because here's the thing. Even if you fix that shit, nothing, nothing, nothing they do can take hold without you. Nothing they take hold without you. The people need to get busy. All right. Because then we'll be at the same place. And we only got, we got seven years now. All right. Mark your clocks. Well, they started ticking March 7th, 2021. So it's really important. So we'll talk about Durham at another time. For now, I think we should visit the the reportings on what's going on with um, our democracy. I'd love to play a clip from Tucker. I want to see, I want to show you what they're talking about Newsmax in regard to General Milley and, you know, the shocking clip from 2015 revealing General Milley's thoughts on China. I'm going to tell you one thing. You're just going to have to wait to watch the documentary, enjoy the show, to understand the statements I'll make after this, okay? You're going to have to wait until that 
to understand. Because even if I tell you, it doesn't matter. You guys still don't listen to people when they tell you who they are. Every single person tells you who they are. It sounds paranoid, even a little nutty. As just a few years ago, you mostly heard the phrase from relics on the far left, the kind of people who lecture you about the United Fruit Company and the toppling of Mossadegh. The term then and now suggests that our democracy is fake. Elections and domestic politics are just a sideshow. No matter who you vote for in the end, the same people still run everything. That's a pretty dark understanding of the American system. If you're a normal person who grew up here, it is the last thing you want to believe about your own country. It seems crazy. And then you read stories like this one. According to reporting this summer, in the days after last November's election, Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, held a meeting with senior military officials at the Pentagon. Milley wanted to inform them of what he described as a serious threat to national security, a threat so grave that it imperiled, quote, the stability of the republic. That threat, Milley said, was the sitting president of the United States. Donald Trump had dared to question the election results. For this, Milley explained, the U.S. military might be required to use physical force against the president. We're the guys with guns, Milley said. Apparently, he'd been preparing for this moment. Milley had similar conversations with the director of the CIA, Gina Haspel, as well as with the head of the NSA, Paul Nakasone. He'd also spoken directly to Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, Donald Trump's chief political rivals. Now, according to a new book by Bob Woodward and Bob Costa, Milley apparently went even further than that. On October 30th of last year, Woodward and Costa report, Milley called his counterpart in China. That's a general called Li Zhocheng. Milley did not tell his boss, the president, about this call, either before he made it or after. Here was Milley's message for the Chinese military. Quote, General Li, I want to assure you that the American government is stable and everything is going to be okay. We are not going to attack or conduct any kinetic operations against you. And then reportedly, Milley said this, quote, General Lee, you and I have known each other for five years. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. Let that sink in. Quote, if we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. So according to this account, our country's top defense official secretly colluded with our chief military rival to undercut the elected president of the United States. How would you describe that? Deep state is not strong enough. That's treason. It is a crime. And apparently Mark Milley is not the only person who was implicated in this crime. Others knew it was happening as it did. Our intelligence agencies almost certainly heard Mark Milley's call. If they can read emails from a cable news show on Fox, what are the chances they were aware that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff was speaking to a senior Chinese general and what they were saying? Well, chances are about 100%. And yet the NSA did nothing about it. The CIA, meanwhile, was clearly fully on board with this. We are on the way to a right-wing coup, said Gina Haspel. She told Millie that. And in fact, there was a coup in progress, but it did not come from the right. It wasn't brewing in Alabama. Instead, a constellation of unelected government employees, loyal above all to the Democratic Party and to the permanent class in Washington, ignored the United States Constitution. And then they invalidated the votes of tens of millions of American citizens. How now, I just want to say something in General Milley's defense, right? Every single time a general throughout time has gone through war, they have always called the other side. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That's the way it is. The only time 
that they don't tell the other government anything is when they disagree on striking targets in an already active war zone. I'm making that clear to you. So if you remember back in 2019 and in 20 and in early 2020, I had Millie put a video out. You can find it on her YouTube. It worked really well. She did a great job putting it together. And Millie Weaver put out a video about the continuity of government. The transition documents that Obama did, and I think I wrote articles about that, where I told you that he still had people in positions like that bitch Aaron, who was sitting as HR at the DNI, right? His transition was in order to maintain. General Millian, what he said is fine. I'm totally fine. Someone's got to take the bullet for now. They do that because they invalidated democracy. Democracy doesn't mean anything if the people you elect have no power. And Mark Milley did his best to make certain the elected president had no power. In early January, Woodward and Costa report, Milley called another meeting of senior officials at the National Military Command Center. He informed this group that they reported to him, not to the elected president of the United States. And that's not a small claim. The National Military Command Center controls, among other things, the nuclear weapons inside our missile silos, as well as the nuclear weapons on board our submarines. So Mark Milley was seizing personal control of America's nuclear arsenal. He went around the room and demanded that his officers submit to his authority, not the president's. Milley told them to follow no orders without first consulting him. According to Woodward and Costa, all present in the room agreed to this. So civilian control. I kind of talk about the Joint Chiefs. The only way that you can get someone out is by being within. One thing people need to understand is, is that there are many directors, assistant directors, deputy directors, generals, four-star, three-star, two-stars that will sit there and take on the role in order to take each and every traitor out. Each and every traitor out. Each and every traitor out. What you are seeing from commanders across our nation is bending the knee to military rule and not the people's rule. The military is the only way by making sure that our military stands for the Constitution and not the Praetorians. We talked about the Praetorians. I expressed to you what Praetorians are. They protect someone, not the people. The Praetorians versus actual military. It is very, very important to be able to make that distinction. And it is very, very important that we understand how narratives are formed on both sides, willingly, knowingly, unwillingly, unknowingly, or an interchange between the two. In this case, I would say willingly, but unknowingly, right, Tucker? Well, the military was over. Mark Milley was in charge. If this is true, it is one of the scariest things that has ever happened in this country. You often hear people say they're worried about authoritarianism coming to America. Well, it's here. That's what this is. It's authoritarian government. It's government by unelected, 
unaccountable leaders who are willing to use violence to preserve their power. I think you all need to go back to that graphic that I helped put the top, top, top person on that shadow gate and pay attention to what was at the top of it. Pay attention to what was at the top of it. Again, pay attention to what was it at the top of that. Oh, former Joint Chiefs of Staff. How do you weed the fuckers out? Thank you. I want people to understand that. I want people to understand that <clears throat> while they listen to this. Because it's important you hear everything. Because the only way you control the people is by controlling all narratives, both on the left and on the right. Oh, I can't wait till Enjoy the Show is out. It's going to make so much more sense. of command, was that broken, uh, Rick Gates? Yeah, absolutely. And this is what's very concerning is we have a general setting our military forces that at some point thought he was president and he was making decisions. Wait, they have Rick Gates on who everybody hates, who everybody burned during this whole thing. And now he's backed by popular demand. What the fuck? He was calling the shots. And as we move forward, whether it's under Biden or some other president, you cannot have a military commander not beholden to the chief uh, commander in chief, to the president of the United States. So what Milley did, he should have resigned yesterday. I mean, he broke the military code that he's lived by almost his entire life. And now it's embarrassing. He doesn't have the support of the troops. And it's created more destabilization around the world because people are looking at him and saying, this guy has no respect whatsoever within his own military ranks. They are going to you know, suffer the consequences for it. So he, he's got to go. Hey, I'm Rob Finnerty. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this video, so interesting that they have all these opinions. <laughs> so interesting that they're all just ah. look. <laughs> this is about to get for me. It's super fun, right? But it's super sad. Super fun, but super sad. Here, check this 2015 clip out, right? When he wasn't. He was a general, but he wasn't anyone specific in 2015. Take a listen. Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Milley responding to explosive allegations that he made calls to China behind President Trump's back. According to a new book, Milley was so concerned that Trump might randomly attack China, he called the communist regime, assuring them he would warn them first. Milley's office did not confirm the details of the call, but did put out a statement today saying, quote, all calls from the chairman to his counterparts, uh, including those reported, are staffed, coordinated, and communicated with the Department of Defense and the interagency. However, the acting defense secretary at the time, Chris Miller, issued a statement to Newsmax refuting Milley, saying in part, quote, as secretary of defense, I did not and would not ever authorize such conduct. Nonetheless, press secretary Jen Psaki shamelessly defended Milley's alleged actions because, you know, orange man bad. It's the obligation of every chairman of the Joint Chiefs to follow constitutional orders to prevent unlawful military action. That's what the president believes. Uh, but it's also important to understand the context of when this reporting was happening during and the fact that the former president was uh, fomenting an insurrection and there was broad concern from a range of members of his national security team about his behavior and fitness for office. Joining me to discuss is Florida Congressman and retired Green Beret, Michael Waltz. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us this evening. Good to be with you. Thanks. So are you surprised there to see the White House defending Millie? 
Well, I think we have to get to the bottom of what happened. Uh, the allegations are incredibly concerning. They have huge implications uh, for civilian control of the military, which is sacrosanct in any democracy. Uh, I am withholding right now calling for any type of, of resignation or action. I don't do that based on leaked book excerpts, uh, especially from Bob Woodward, who himself wrote several books about uh, President Trump that had all kinds of misinformation. But we do need to get to the bottom of it. That's why Senator uh, Graham and I have sent a letter today uh, asking questions and getting answers to get answers in writing. And we have upcoming hearings uh, that where we are going to ask for things under oath and in testimony on exactly what happened. Well, Congressman, I, I want to ask you, you know, President Trump did join uh, Newsmax yesterday. He said if if this is true, uh, what Woodward wrote about, uh, he says this is treason. Would you agree with that if the report is true? Well, look, I think if uh, if if they are true and I think that's a that's a big if when it comes to the media and the, and the fake news in Washington, D.C., but if they are true, they're very concerning. I want to know, uh, for example, if uh, Chairman Milley was so concerned about President Trump's mental state, did he share his concerns with any other cabinet officers? Did he share and coordinate this call with his Chinese counterpart? Did he inform Secretary Pompeo? Did he inform President Trump's national security advisor, uh, Robert O'Brien? Uh, because there are a number of other issues going on with China at the time. And when we're in any time of political transition, we are incredibly vulnerable as a country. The Russians know it, the Chinese know it, the Iranians and North Koreans know it, and of course, terrorists know it. So, uh, so again, we have a lot to get to the bottom of, uh, but I do want to hear from General Milley himself. Well, I want you to uh, let's take a look back at what Milley had to say. This is back in 2015 that we found that he had to say about China. Let's take a listen. China's not an enemy, uh, and I think that's important for people to clearly understand. They are going to develop themselves and are developing themselves uh, into a great power. That is not to say, however, that they are an enemy, and it is not to imply nor say that conflict with China is inevitable. Huh, China is not an enemy. Does that uh, influence your assessment at all of this report? Well, I think that, frankly, it was wishful thinking that a lot of people had, uh, and that has absolutely changed. And I can tell you I've had those conversations uh, with General Milley, and he does view them, as I do, the Chinese Communist Party as the greatest threat this country has ever faced. Uh, and thank God President Trump came in in uh, in. 2017 launched a new national security strategy and shifted our entire national security policy to deal with the threat that the CCP uh, presents us. Look, their Navy is larger than ours now. They've launched more into space last year than the rest of the world combined, including the United States. And listen to Chairman Xi himself, the president of China, who openly talks about replacing the American dream with the China dream. That's not a world that I want uh, my kids or grandkids growing up in. Uh, and and I, I'm glad Millie's uh, thinking has evolved. Heck, I'm glad all Americans thinking has evolved. But where we really need to take the next step is when you pick up something in a store and it says made in China, put it down. It needs to say made in America because it's our money that's feeding our greatest adversary, their military buildup, and their desire to replace the United States as a world leader. So I'm gonna tell you something. Everything that you just heard is a narrative. 
China enemy. Every single nation, including China, sits down and has a conversation. They talk about everything they're going to do. There is nothing that is not orchestrated. They must follow the script. You're very fortunate to have a scriptwriter reveal behind the curtain. Do you think that France, Germany, China, the U.S., Brazil, all of them haven't had conversations? Of course they have. They have memorandums of understanding. Yes, sometimes they throw diva fits. Nope, this must happen. Nope, I'm putting my foot down. I want this. And then they all come out and they just play a game. <laughs> you really think that was a war in Afghanistan? <laughs> you think those were wars in the Middle East? <laughs> it was just people not following the script and have to be dealt with by the people executing the script. See, the truth is simple. People just don't like the truth because they want something complicated. They want it to be complicated because if it's complicated, that's why they missed it. They want it to be all elaborate and everything, but they missed it. When you realize it's all orchestrated and you, the people, and many others that partake I mean, there's a lot of people in the media that have no idea. There are many people, you know, that are in office that have no fucking idea. They're just really insane and fit the part perfectly. You know, how many times has a casting director looked at someone and said, I want that person to be the villain because they look like it? Kind of like, um, oh, was it Gladiator, Octavius? The guy, the actor with the, with the, he has a scar on his lip. Right. Just looking at him, you know, he's perfect for the crazy world, the psychotic. Or what about Game of Thrones? Joffrey, the crazy kid king, right, from, you know, incest born. Right. He looked nuts. He looked psychotic. You were just like, that's a perfect cast. Right. Kind of like AOC. You see her and you're like, yep, that's what's up. I don't even have to feed her the script. Just let that bitch loose. She's all on it. That's her. I want her. The minute you realize that you're a spectator in this movie that will suffer real consequences, you decide to be an active participant and fuck that script up. Now, what we've been doing Writing letters, filing federal lawsuits. Colorado's filing seven tomorrow. We've got four writs filed in four writs of mandamuses against governors written in four states and filed. When you guys realize that what you are doing is fucking up their script, that's where it all comes tumbling down. Don't you dare lift a finger. Don't you dare try to disrupt this. This is why they won't report. How the fuck can a written mandamus against the governor be filed and no one report it? 
Think. Think. How many times has a written mandamus been filed against a governor and no one reported it? Nothing. Why? Because you're fucking up their script. You're not allowed to speak. You need to keep your mouth shut. We're going to keep going and we're going to pretend that's just a noisy crowd and we're just going to keep going and keep our game face on. Kind of like when you were on stage and you were performing a song or a poem or, you know, four scores and seven years ago at a play and there's some kid screaming. You keep focused and you stay on the script, right? This is what they're doing. Huh? This is how you fuck up a script. By making them reveal themselves. Like my federal case was supposed to be about mask mandates only, right? No, it's not. It's about fighting for the right of parents. Because in my answer, I'm going to spell it out to the fucking judge. You're telling me that over 80% of children within the state of Ohio are not able to have civil liberties upheld because their parents may not be able to afford a lawyer? Are you saying that people that are poor should not be afforded constitutional rights? I'm going to spell that shit out for him. See, this is what you do and you fuck it up. Now, if they pick on you, they draw more attention. They've learned that lesson with me already. So they just leave it alone. If they try to squash you and they already know that you're way too visible for that, you again draw attention, right? So you don't want to talk about it. You want to pretend we're not here. And this is coming from the left and the right. I mean, why wouldn't the right report that there's written mandamuses against the governor? Because they're all fucking running a script too. They're playing a part. They're not even a participant. They are an actor. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. Acting. I'm trying to say, a written mandamus has been filed against the governor in four states. And none of them, not even one on the left or the right, talked about it. Think about it. Facts. Film actors guilt. Mandamus. That's who they are. So now what you're doing is hopping off of an exit node. <laughs> and you're, you're really messing shit up. Federal cases, they're making it difficult for you to file federal lawsuits. They're making you jump through hoops. In Louisiana, you heard the women say they were being marched into a dark room with no lights. Can't see to file shit. Y'all call you the next day for this. Like, what is this? What are we, a banana republic? Like, what is going on? None of you have sat to say, wait a minute. There's been a writ of mandamus against a governor filed in four states, and I haven't heard a word from the media. What is going on? Hmm? Tell you what's going on. You're fucking shit up. And they don't want anyone to listen to you. They don't want anyone to see it. But guess what? We're the news now. So regardless, it could have been done last week. It could have been done today. Could have been done yesterday. It doesn't fucking matter. We're the media. We're the ones. Because you know what? 
sucks. Look at all the people on the right that are your friends. Oh, look at me. I'm like cute Deco. Who the fuck are you decoding? Shut up. Get out of here. Oh, I know this. Stop. There are so many facets to this war. It's incredible. The one thing that nobody's focusing on, and we are, is the empowerment of the people. No point in taking shit out if the people are still going to be dumb and asleep. Someone had to fix that because every single time this happens, whoa, some stuff goes down, lots of people die, and nobody remembers. All they know is that, well, you know, this is the new normal. Well, you know, no one ever educates the people. And that's the thing. When it was decided and they had the script laid out, I was like, nah, man, watch this shit happen centuries in the making slowly but surely with a really big uptick after the 1900s. Damn, that shit was quick. Can't have another Abraham Lincoln on us. The media is what they took. And I see a lot of people sharing Stu Peters in my channel. Why the fuck are you sharing him? What about Tracy Beans? Fuck that bitch too. Is she reporting the shit you're doing? No, she's not. So why do you give a shit what she has to tell you? To buy her coins or maybe Pete's jerky? How are they, how are they helping you? How are they helping you get your message out? How many of them said, shit, I think it's a little bit irregular that the federal court had someone marched up with eight marshals to go into a dark room and drop a lawsuit? I think that's pretty crazy. No one did. And so this is what you need to be paying attention to. Not paying attention to the fun memes, but paying attention to the things that are happening. See, the good guys... There's two types, the ones that say release the truth and it'll defend itself and get the people riled up. And the good guys that say, you know, the bad guys are really bad because they do evil stuff. So we should have control because we can control the people a lot better because we're nice and we believe in God. You see what I'm trying to say? That's the problem. It's all a freaking movie. They all hate you. They all hate you. Where are they? Where is your Stu Peters? He's nowhere. Did he report how you walked into a dark room, escorted to fight for your kids' rights? No, he didn't. Did he report how Idaho filed a writ of mandamus? No, he didn't. What about Arizona? No, he didn't. What about Ohio? No, he didn't. What about every single state that's going to be filing? No, he didn't. What about Illinois? Damn, in Chicago, the most corrupt fucking place. A writ of mandamus against the governor of Ohio was filed. Why is nobody this reporting this? Where's your Tracy Beans? She's too busy getting caught for January 6th and her communications and turning over on people. Where are they? They're busy on their own shit. Oh, I'm focused on that. So you can be focused on that and give praise to the people that are doing shit that you never thought they could do. Right? Where's your... Pete Santilli, nowhere. What about clown Alex Jones? Nowhere. They're not giving a crap about what you do. Because if you fix shit, they have no money. If there is no controversy, they make no money. Bottom line. All of them, where are they? Where are they? Where's Jim Hoft? I'm going to leave him out of it. Ah, He just does what he's told. Leave it alone. You have to think again. 
four states, four writs of mandamus against governors, and not one peep. It's a good thing that the boss knows, though. That's what's important. That's what you should care about, because that's where they know exactly where, where the people really are and who the people really are. Everyone else? Bah. That's the way it is. People don't like the truth. Yes. Da-da-da. I'm bogus on the election fraud only. But while I'm doing election fraud, I can say this mom did this. That was awesome. I'm only focused on the corruption of PP uh, dossier. But while I'm doing that, so-and-so from Illinois filed a writ of mandamus against the governor in the state of Illinois. At least Bucker tried, and he's going to maybe get somewhere with it. Maybe not. That depends that every single person in that state sends an affidavit in support of the writ of mandamus. That is really important. Doesn't cost you money to do so either. Well, unless you have to get it notarized at a UPS, and then it might cost you money. But you can go to your bank and do it for free. Think about it. You guys have done all of this and no one talked about it. No one. Forget me. I'm talking about you. I really don't care. But the people do need recognition. And that's the thing. Where are they recognizing you? Nowhere. Because to them, you're a piece of shit. That's the, that's the way they're going to tell you, oh, if you got the vaccine, you can have this and get yourself better. Oh, we don't need the vaccine. We need to focus on like COVID and where it came from. We need this. There's so many fires right now, but why not lift the people up because they can help you? Why? Because you don't need the people because then you can't make money if the people are awake because they're not going to be looking at you to suck on you, right? For information because they could do that shit themselves. The people don't need anyone. The people are leaders. That's the way it is. The people are leaders. They don't need anyone. And not to mention, you see this prima donna bullshit in your own groups. Oh, I need the leader of my group. <laughs> they were removed. I'm helpless. No, you're not. You're a bigger giant than them. You don't need anyone. You got you. You got each other. No one's above you. I'm the same. In my group in Ohio, I'm the same. I'm not different. We're all the same. We're all the same. We're all the same, period. Now, for everyone else, they're busy throwing at you, save the children. Oh, my God, Britney Spears. Oh, my God, this. Oh, my gosh, that. Oh, if you drink this, you'll be better. Oh, my gosh, focus on this. Oh, my gosh, focus on that. And you're just like, where do I go? You know what you need to focus on? Shit you know is factual and true. My governor violated the Constitution. I'm going to fucking make him fix that. And if he doesn't fix it, there's going to be a court order that says so. And if the court says no, guess what? I'm going to the Supreme Court. That's how we think. You know what? Nah, my written mandamus failed. Great. Take it to the Supreme Court. Let's go. Let's go. These are the people's court. Let's go. Let's blow it up. We'll have a docket up the ass at the Supreme Court with our federal lawsuits that we filed with the written mandamuses, all of it. We'll just clog it up and have the Supreme Court do it. SCOTUS gate is going to be insane. Insane. Stop focusing on rabbit holes. Yes, there's real shit going out there. Yes, there's crazy shit. For those of you on the East Coast, you best, I don't know, maybe take a vacation inland at some point in the next 10 days or something. I've been hinting to that. Not wanting to speak it into fruition because 
here's a little bit of admission. I was, I was very, very upset when I went to see um, Father Stacy because I spoke to him for less than three minutes the day after my name day, you know, just, it was my name day, right? Holy day. And um, I, I feel like I spoke his death into reality. That's the first thing Phoebe told me when I admitted it to her. She said, shit, you spoke that shit. I tell you, I didn't mean to. And I, <laughs> but you know, I, I was telling him, you know, Hey, you know, God's going to take, if, if you're one of God's people, he will take you off your feet without realizing it since you took that shit before that change happens. And he laughed. <laughs> he was like, I hope you're not wishing. It. I said, I mean, you should. If if God takes you, then you know where you sit. And so for me, that was, that was an answer. But I did say that to him right before I said, I got to go. That's my lawyer I, on the line. I got to go. I, we ended the conversation on that. That was the last thing I told him. God will take you off your feet. And you won't even realize it if you're his. And that Sunday, he went into service, took him straight off his feet at the feet of the cross. I kid you not. So for me, I don't want to speak things into reality, but I have been mentioning the winds. And I'm really, you know, telling you guys on the East Coast, keep your eyes focused. You got some PTO. You know, I don't know. Maybe you want to go into the outback, the Ozarks or something for a bit. I'm just saying. Um, just keep your eyes open because things, you know, don't always happen the way they are. Um, on that note, I think I'm going to end tonight's show. I'm extremely tired. I really wanted to talk about us being dedicated to the crown now, but I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, and I want to wish you guys a wonderful evening. I want you to know that you are appreciated by those who matter. You are making a difference. And again, those who matter know and boy, they're going to be singing songs about you guys for generations to come. God bless. Medicate, just meditate. You waking up now, well, baby, you hella late. Educate, look at what's going on, let it resonate, accelerate. Find your inner hunger like you never ate. Agenda is to push the hate, separate and segregate. Don't celebrate quite yet, the storm is coming. Cue for heaven's sake, violence that they demonstrate. Instigate and penetrate the values of our country and our God is what they desecrate. My fighters ain't no featherweight. Pulling out the seams of the fabric that they fabricate. They feed us lies, manipulate, intimidate through fear and force, forcing us to sit and wait. Till we come together, congregate, and then we liberate. Praying that you give me strength to find some love amongst the hate. Marching on these streets of blood till I see the golden gates. Troubadour, troubled souls, one of God's servants. Blades out, cut the grass till we see the serpent. This puppet show stays on because of you, fools. We've been dancing with the devil way too long. I know it's fun, but get ready to pay your dues. Oh, God, come back home. This crazy world is filled with lies and abusers. Too far gone. I hope one day 
finally see the truth. God, we need you now. I know the truth is hard to swallow, just digest it. Suspected something's going on, but chose to just neglect it. Deflected by some breaking news, always just accepted. Expected just to fall in line and follow their perspective. Don't question their objective, but I got a lot of questions. How these kids molested, but nobody's been arrested. Read it in the testament, these children are protected. So I'm fighting all these terrorists, both foreign and domestic. Refuse to be directed, blind, not a sheep. Only kneel to my God, so I'm dying on my feet. Uh, silence when we speak, but there's violence in the street. I've been rolling with the punches, I can't take it on the cheek. Uh, Greek from a glass half full, I'm optimistic. People are sadistic, so vicious and malicious. Praying for assistance to overcome my position, or I'm gonna start resisting, and then I pray for forgiveness.